Welcome to another episode of the Indiana Bible College podcast, where we are biblically training tomorrow's leaders today. In this episode, one of our graduating seniors, Kendall Weeks, preaches to us on this title, The Ark and the Cart. Now, on to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Would you lift that up to the Lord? Thank you, God. You're worthy, Lord. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, man, if, if I were sentimental, which I'm not, but if I were, this might be a sentimental moment because it's last time to stand here like this in an IBC chapel. And uh, a lot has happened in chapel services over four years of being at IBC. And uh, I remember coming in my freshman year, and I would feel uncomfortable a lot because Brother Gallion was always addressing the student body as if we had already all accepted this call to, like, ministry and preach. And Brother Kilman was always in classes, like, saying, you know, where's the preachers at? And all these guys around me were raising their hands. And I think me and Brad were kind of in a similar boat and uh, hadn't really profess any kind of call to preach or ministry, and uh, I don't know if I should say this, but it's my last time, so I just, I remember, uh, like, we were kind of looking around, and we were, like, looking at some of our, our freshman peers, and we were like, like, man, if these are the future preachers and pastors, like, God help the church, we're in trouble, <laughs> but um, since then, I've, uh, it's just, it truly has been an honor to have gone to school with so many of you, and to know that that there are some, some uh, young people in our generation who have a desire to simply say, God, whatever your will is for my life, I want to do it. And uh, it's not, you know, there's, there's been some really talented people and others like myself not so talented, but it's not the talent that has made it an honor to know so many of you. It's just the desire to say, God, wherever you take me, you know, whatever your will is, whatever your desire. And so I give great honor to all the staff at IBC um, every one of them from the music to the biblical studies and the maintenance and just everyone, all the staff and faculty, this place has had a huge impact on my life and I'm forever grateful to have attended here. If you'd like to turn your Bibles, I'm going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1, 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 1. And uh, the very first time I, I stood behind an IBC pulpit was my uh, sophomore year and in the old, what is now called the lecture hall and it was the same passage that I preached from, and I just feel it on my heart today. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 1, it reads, Again David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark. And Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah 
put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And I just want to preach for a few moments this morning about the ark and a cart. The ark and a cart. And I wonder, one more time, would you pray with me? God, I ask you, Lord, for your anointing, and I pray, God, that you would anoint our hearts and minds in this place. I pray, Lord, that we would open up our hearts, Lord, to receive from your word, and I pray, God, that your spirit would be at liberty to move and speak to us in Jesus' name. Have your way, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I remember many years ago, um, I don't know if it was many years ago, but several years ago, I was probably about 13 or 14 years old, and um, always went to youth camp growing up, and Brad was there at this youth camp. And there was a preacher who used to be among us. Uh, he, he, he was preaching all over the movement at the time, and he's no longer apostolic anymore. But uh, he, he was there. He made it all the way out to Nebraska youth camp. And uh, to get to the campgrounds that we used to have there in Nebraska, I mean, you were driving through, um, I promise you, miles and miles of cornfields. It was hours and hours, and out in the middle of nowhere, we had this campground, and that was where we had youth camp. And uh, he, one year, he, he made it out there to preach to us. And I, I don't remember everything that he preached. In fact, I only remember one sermon, and that's because he gave us all a sticker that uh, we put in the front of our Bibles. And uh, I have this, my Bible here with this sticker that, that I placed there. And the, the sticker says, don't scratch the price off the gift. And uh, I don't remember exactly what he preached or how he preached it, but it would seem clear from the title what a powerful sermon that would be. Don't scratch the price off the gift. There was a price that was paid for the gift of the Holy Ghost, and there was a price that was paid for the gift of our salvation. Don't scratch the price off that gift. Don't diminish. Don't take away from the price that was paid. It's kind of ironic now that he preached that message, but I don't remember everything that he... uh, like I said, I don't remember what he preached, but I remember that when he would get up behind the pulpit, he would say, uh, you know, we, we didn't want to just have church, but you would kind of drop the R and we were going to have church. And I can't say it exactly the way he did, but, but that was kind of the catchphrase in camp that year. And we thought it was really cool and we wanted to have church. And, and that's exactly what we did that week as, as youth camps tend to go. Uh, man, we, we had church and we, we, we weeped and we cried in the altars and we we jumped and we shouted and responded during the worship service. And, and I think it's just part of being Pentecostal is we like to have good church. And we like to go to conventions. And we like to go to conferences. And we like to come to chapel services and have good church. And I like it when we got somebody on the organ and the keys and the drums. And we got praise or somebody up here singing. And, and we're having church. And there's just nothing like being in the house of God with the people of God having church. And when I read here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, I believe that is exactly what they were doing. They were having good church. The Bible says that they had 30,000 men. I mean, we're talking bigger than North American Youth Congress. And they gathered all the men together and they were having some good church. They were playing before the Lord on every kind of instrument that was available to them. And rightfully so, because it was a good thing that was taking place. They were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem For far too long, the Ark of the Covenant had been in the hand of the Philistines. And then even after that, it was laying dormant in the house of Abinadab. And so 
They had something good in mind that they had set out to do. They were going to bring God's presence back to the tabernacle. And so they were having good church and they were rejoicing and they were celebrating. But the Bible says when they came to Nacon's threshing floor and Uzzah reaches out and when he took hold of the ark, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smites him there for his error. Now I know if you're familiar with the story, we all know that that the issue started long before Uzzah reached out and took hold of the cart. The issue started when somehow along the way they decided to take the Ark of the Covenant and place it upon a cart. I think we would agree today that God is holy. Isaiah, when he described his vision, he said, The angels cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And Revelation describes how over and over again, day and night, there is no ceasing as the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And we know where Moses was up on Mount Sinai, and and he's speaking to God, and he says, God, would you show me your glory? And God says, no man can look upon my glory or they would die. No man can contain the glory of God. And so God takes Moses and he places him up in the cleft of a rock. And as God passes by, he allows Moses to catch this glimpse at the back parts of the glory of God. And the Bible says that when Moses came down off the mount after catching this glimpse at the glory of God, that his face shines so brightly that it would be perhaps as if you were looking into the sun And so the people of Israel had to put a veil over his face because he caught a glimpse at the back parts of the glory of God. Because God is holy and sovereign. And so this Ark of the Covenant was a holy thing. And and so God gave the people of Israel some very specific commandments regarding it. In fact, no one could even look at this Ark. The Ark of the Covenant was typically kept in the tabernacle and so... Uh, As you know, you would enter into the the outer courts, and then beyond the outer courts, there was the holy place. And once you were inside the holy place, there was a veil that separated you from the holy of holies. And on the other side of that veil was the Ark of the Covenant, and only the high priest could go in one day a year after he had committed so many uh, acts of, of cleansing and place himself in special garments and and burn the incense, then he could enter into the Holy of Holies. And when they transported the ark, it was designed in such a way that it was to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. And, And even when they carried it, they actually put a cloth over it so that, again, no man could even look upon this ark. And so it was supposed to be a very holy and a very sacred thing. And, and you see, it, it mattered to God the method and the manner by which His presence was carried. It mattered to God the method by which this ark that contained His presence was carried. We know that by grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves, but faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? God does not place an anointing or a calling upon your life so that you can speak with enticing words of man's wisdom. He does not place a calling on your life so that you can be an inspirational speaker because the world by wisdom knew not God, but rather it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
There's a lot of methods available to us in this day, but God told his people, for the people that were called by the name, there was a specific method and a specific manner by which he intended his presence to be carried. But here was Uzzah in Ohio. And, and this, this Ark of the Covenant had been in their father's house for, for 19 years. And, and as far as I know, this may have been their first time. It was now their time to arise, to step up to the plate. It was their time to sort of pick up the mantle. And now it was appointed to them to carry the Ark. Before it had been some men that had gone before them. But now it was their turn. It was, it was their time. And... And I don't know, perhaps they had a little discussion beforehand before they decided uh, how exactly they were going to get this ark moved. And, and, and maybe they had uh, a meeting or maybe they talked one to another. And maybe, maybe Ohio, maybe he wanted to carry the ark the way it was designed to be carried. But maybe Uzzah, maybe he had, you know, he thought, well, if we, if we uh, carry this ark on our shoulders, we've got quite a long way to go, and it could really be burdensome. It could really be a burden to have to carry this ark. And, and I know we saw the way that our fathers did it, and we saw the way that the men that went before us did it, and we saw the way that it was designed to be done and the way that God intended to be done. But, but did you see what the Philistines did? And maybe that way just looked a little bit more convenient. Maybe it looked a little bit cooler. I don't know. And maybe... Maybe that way just looked a little more appealing and, and it wouldn't be, you know, quite so burdensome and so tiring. And, and ultimately, Ohio, ultimately, maybe for the sake of unity, you know, at the end of the day, we all have the same goal in mind. And we just want to see the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem. We just want to see revival. We just want to see the church grow. Let's not split hairs over how exactly we get there and how exactly this gets done. And so for the sake of unity and for the sake of not being divisive, you know, at the end of the day, his convictions just weren't really that strong and he didn't want to say anything. And so it's all right. Let's just go ahead and place it upon a cart. And so that's what they did. They go ahead and they place the Ark of the Covenant upon a cart. But, but as I mentioned before, the intention of God was that there was only one way for that Ark to be transported and and I don't know, maybe I'm missing something, but even in my human mind, it doesn't seem that big of a deal, right? The Ark of the Covenant, whether it's carried on the shoulders, whether it's placed on the card, I, why does it really matter? In fact, I mean, nowhere do I see where God actually spelled out a commandment. God did not say, thou shalt not carry the Ark of the Covenant upon a cart. Uh, maybe they could have pulled it with Brother Galleon's horse. You know, it didn't say, thou shalt not carry the Ark of the Covenant with the horse. I, I, I don't see that spelled out. It's just you see what God's design was and what the intention was and what he told them to do. But could it be that perhaps God set some parameters around this Ark and that he set some parameters around this thing because it was intended to be a blessing and he knew that if they stepped outside of the parameters and if they stepped outside of the intended purpose that it would become a curse that maybe he knew that if they placed it upon a card it would put it on shaky ground and it would put them in a position in a place where they might be tempted to compromise and think that they could take hold of the things of God and, and so I think that we could look throughout the past many years and we could say that there have been many oozes who have gone before us and they started out and they just put the ark on a cart 
and nothing seemed to be wrong and they were having good church and they were doing a good thing and a great work and the church was growing and, and there they went and that ark was on a cart. And, and mind you, I forgot, I left this out, that, that this ark, I don't, know if, I don't know if you realize it, the Bible said that they placed it on a new cart. I mean, they didn't just grab any, they still understood, right, that the Ark of the Covenant, it is still a, an important thing, and they still put importance to it, and so they didn't just get any old card. I mean, they probably got the design team and the marketing team together, and, and they, they got a nice-looking card. I mean, they had that thing painted up, and they had some nice wheels on there, and I mean, that Ark, that, Brother Guy, if you would have seen that card, you would have been impressed. It was a good-looking card. I mean, if anything, the card was going to add to the magnificence of this Ark, But it put them in his position by placing it upon a cart where it was on shaky ground. And, and God has said in his word that they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. And there is a temptation of this hour to look at the Philistines and look at what they're doing and how they take the cart. But, but God is not concerned with what the Philistines are doing with the ark. There's been a lot of people who have stolen. That ark did not belong to the Philistines. It was stolen by the Philistines. It did not belong to them. And God was not concerned with what the Philistines had done because the Philistines were not a chosen generation. And the Philistines were not a royal priesthood. The Philistines were not a holy nation. They were not a peculiar people. The Philistines were not called to show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But we are the people called by the name. And God has commanded his people, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Why? Because your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, and the very same God that dwelt in that ark is the same God that dwells in you and I. And I'm closing today. I wonder if you would stand. When I read of this story and I, and I look at Uzzah here, I... Nowhere in this do I see where Uzzah has a desire to rebel against God. I don't see him trying to, to blatantly disrespect God in front of everyone. In fact, I believe that he had the right intention. I believe that he was trying to do what he thought was right and good, and he was being sincere. Which draws to my mind the question, how could Uzzah, knowing the commandment and knowing the word of God, how could he, with, with such sincerity and knowledge, blatantly disobey and do the opposite of what God had commanded him to do? And I believe there is one reason, that is that in the heart of Uzzah, somewhere around being in this ark for 19 years, and now it's his time to pick up the mantle, and there had been a casualness that had crept in his heart toward the things of God, and, and there had been a a uh, lack of reverence that had begun to build up towards the things of God. And I pray that, you know, God forbid that I would find myself in a place or that our generation would find ourselves in a place that with, with right intentions and with, with a sincere heart, we, we would find it in ourselves to believe that we can take hold of the things of God. God forbid that we would find in ourselves some kind of arrogance to believe that, that we could, with unholy hands, take hold of the, the doctrine of God and the Word of God and the things of God and the church of God. 
Uh, maybe it's just because I've been around so long, but, but I do believe, maybe I've drank the Kool-Aid, but I do believe that, that there is a revival and that God's Spirit is moving all across this world and that God is desiring for more and more of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But I pray that because I believe what happens is when there is a lack of reverence for God, it becomes replaced with the reverence for the world and it becomes replaced with the reverence for the awe and the approval of man. But I pray, oh God, let it be molded and shaped and pressed down deep within my heart that our reverence would be for His Word and that our reverence would be for the things of God, not to place unholy hands on them and that there would be refusal of the temptation to place the ark of God upon a cart, but that I would say, oh Lord, let Your Word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so uh, uh, as I'm closing, I open up these altars today and I just pray, oh God, in our hearts, let there be a reverence for the word and let there be a reverence for the things of God and a refusal to bow and a refusal to give in to any temptation, God, that your word would be sacred and true.